0: Hi, I'm Shelley and I'm Cam and this
1: is Translating ADHD. On our last episode, we talked about readiness for change and how as a person with ADHD, we have to do some work to be ready to create real and sustainable change. Today, we're going to expand that conversation, talking more specifically about strengthening awareness, which is what we do with our clients every day. Cam, how are we going to do that?
0: Uh, that's a good question. And there's so many different places to begin there, Shelley. Um, last time, we talked about creating positive structures. And I think uh, you know strengthening awareness, what a great concept. But around what? right? What exactly? Where, where do we begin with strengthening awareness? And so um, we have a tool that we use in our coaching uh, that was developed by a colleague of mine, Denslow Brown, and it's called Essential Structures. And we're going to use that today as an outline. There's many different uh, There are many different models and tools out there to develop awareness. And so it doesn't really matter. There's nothing about this model that matters more than others it's just a place to begin and to exercise a skill that is often um i don't want to say lacking but it's devalued in in the add brain and that skill is distinguishing and so as we look at this we'll talk about these these four different areas of essential structures to focus on once you start to look at them then we get some ideas of how to work on them to populate those areas. Um, and the skill is, is, again, distinguishing, being able to distinguish. I just want to say that our brains are wired for the opposite of distinguishing. Collapsing
1: is a word that you and I both often use.
0: Yes, collapsing and um, sort of s- smashing together. Uh, different concepts, different ideas, and uh, it, it often you see it out in the public arena in in ADD land. You see it as um, a large task that you try to break down. But I see it more at a deeper level with my clients that it that it impacts areas like decision making, and so it's this collapsing or um, smushing together of feelings, thoughts beliefs, they all come together and it's very difficult to pull them apart. And that's unique to the ADD experience is overwhelm is a real phenomenon that, that just has us stuck in our tracks. And part of the reason for overwhelm is, again, this big ball of stuff that's so difficult to pull apart. So when we say strength and awareness, we need a place to begin. And so, when we go ahead and and look at these areas, it's going to give you some ideas. The four areas are action, support, self knowledge, and brain based education. And all those, if we look at those separately, we can start to determine what is the status of each of those, right? Developing awareness of it. And then we can start to uh, determine goals, or endpoints, and measurements of success?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to back up for just a second and share something around that overwhelm and that sort of ball of stuff because I have a client that has an amazing metaphor for this, one that I've been using since she sort of created this metaphor in a coaching session, and she has given me permission to take it and own it. She calls that the undifferentiated mass right? And that's exactly what it is. So distinguishing is differentiating the undifferentiated mass. And I also want to say that as we talk about these four areas, I want to speak to the purpose of the Essential Structures model and what it's intended to do. And the idea is creating a life that fits for you, right? Not a life that fits for anyone else, but a life that fits for you, your strengths, your challenges, and the way that your brain works and your ADHD shows up.
0: I think um, also we just need to provide a little context for where Essential Structures came from, and it came from the training program that both of us went through, in the sense you were a student and I'm a trainer there, and um, I'm the resident coach of of a group called Coach Approach for Organizers. And again, as I said, uh, Denslow Brown is the founder and director of this program, And I've been working with Denslow since 2006 in training coaches, and it's taking um, it's. We focus mostly on productivity specialists and organizers, right? Professional organizers who want to complement their hard skills of working with people around productivity and systems and organizing and provide them the soft skills of uh, interpersonal communication, of coaching where you partner and support them moving forward. You can imagine that many people who have challenges with organization um, also may have ADHD. And so part of what we do is we train coaches in coaching skills, but also ADD coaching skills. That's where Shelly and I met each other, and and that was about five years ago. So we've been working with each other ever since.
1: Yeah, so I came to Coach Approach by accident. I actually won a free course. And so who doesn't like free stuff? (laughs) I took the free course. But I want to speak a little bit to why... Coaching is so important for professional organizers and productivity specialists who are working with clients with ADHD and other brain based challenges that get in the way of their ability to be organized. In the professional organizing industry, and that's my background, by the way, um, I was a professional organizer starting in about 2011 and slowly transitioned my business to coaching after starting coach training in 2013. I mostly coach now. I still do a little organizing work with businesses. But in the professional organizing industry, we distinguish clients into two categories. The first is situationally disorganized. So this is a neurotypical who has had a lot of life happen. They moved, their mom died, they got married, and they had a child all within five years. I had a client like this. So for that client, Things have fallen apart, but they just need the feet on the street, the helping hand to put things together, and they can maintain it just fine. Chronically disorganized clients, on the other hand, ADHD falls into this category. So does hoarding disorder, which is very, very different and requires a completely different approach. But chronically disorganized clients have a brain-based condition that makes it difficult to self-organize. And for those clients, the maintenance is the hard part. So we can go in and put everything right and have it be well-organized, but it doesn't stay that way. And that's where coaching comes in, creating that change and building that foundation so that you can maintain, you can develop those structures, those habits.
0: Right. So Denslow has a great, she always has a favorite story about drive-by organizing, where she will works with someone and help them get organized, leave. And then come back and it's pretty much the way it was before and that realizing that this was not situational something else was going on and so she very early on learned about this connection between coaching organizing and adhd and has again we have um, had hundreds of graduates that specialize in this area around chronic disorganization around um, sustained productivity and uh, bringing coaching and an education of ADD or ADHD into the mix. And um, so in the program notes, we'll also put uh, coach approach for organizers. And there's also a list of uh, graduates there too, if you are looking for someone in your area to help you. So I think it's a great resource that we can give a nod to.
1: Absolutely. And if you are a person with ADHD that is looking to hire a professional organizer, hiring a graduate of the Coach Approach Program means that you are going to get someone that understands that for you, the challenge is not necessarily the putting things in order, but the maintenance of that. And they can marry the hands-on help with the coaching to create that long-term change that you're looking for.
0: So, um, I want to go back to essential structures, and I want to give a, I want to give an example, um, again, under this umbrella of strengthening awareness. And if you don't have the essential structures pulled up, which again, we'll have the, the PDF in the program notes uh, available to you. If you don't have it, just take out a piece of paper, and you want to make basically four circles. And the four circles are going to be at 12 o'clock three o'clock, six o'clock, and nine o'clock, okay? So brain-based education is at 12 o'clock, brain-based education. So this is of like we talked about becoming a good student of your ADHD. This is in this area. Over at three o'clock is action. So this is designing actions. It's also taking action and accountability, action. At six o'clock is support, so, last time, we talked about developing positive structures. And often, people with ADD, when they come to face-to-face with something they haven't done, they're not really thinking about resources or supports. So, support is another area. Supportive people, supportive environments, delegating and assertiveness. And then at 9 o'clock is self-knowledge. And self-knowledge is, I think, if if we think about, like, awareness that sort of coincides with that of who you are, what matters to you, your values, what you need, your strengths, your self-talk, right? Boundaries, this knowledge, because that can be so um, fleeting at times, right? In in the moment, we forget the things that matter to us most. So I'm going to give an example, Shelly. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Okay. So let's say that you know something you want to do is get up at six o'clock and exercise and get out the door, right? Have this AM launch. So this is sort of designing action, and it's around this initiative of getting up and linking together a certain, uh, a couple of different uh, habits like you know eating, showering, and exercising. Not in that order, and then launching out the door. This can be a a real struggle for people with ADHD to have that kind of effective and and consistent activation in the morning launch for the day. So there that is. And often I think that people focus on that and wonder why it doesn't happen. Well, go up to brain-based education is that activating for task is one of the biggest challenges of having ADD. The other thing is this, if you're staying up late at night the night before, like you have a hard time winding down, well, that's probably contributing to. Go over to self-knowledge and self-talk. And if you're there and you're like, oh, let me just watch one more episode of this show I'm watching on Netflix, just one more, right? Back in the day, I'm not going to say how old I am, but, you know, 54, right? I We had three channels and like the episode came on and then it's off and like you know, no more Gilligan's Island, right? I mean, it's done. Now we have so many different uh, inputs and things that can entertain us all the way to six o'clock in the morning. That ability to kind of stop is difficult for people with ADD, but then what's that self-talk? right? Is it sort of like, ah, just 10 minutes more, right? So, there's self-knowledge. Developing an awareness of what do you tell yourself to kind of sustain into the evening and not transition into sleep so that you can get up at six o'clock and get out of bed. Um, Effective supports would be like alarms, but also people, right? Is your spouse staying up late too? and kind of modeling this late night behavior, um, how can they be a support? What's a a supportive environment, right? So we're down at six o'clock in support. If you've got your laptop open and you're watching Netflix or you're surfing the web, then that's not necessarily a supportive environment for transitioning to sleep. How was that, Shelly?
1: That was a good summary. I don't even think I have anything to add, um, but I'm curious where distinguishing comes in to play here. We talked about that prior to hitting record and why is distinguishing important when looking at essential structures as a way to learn about yourself and as a way to create a life that fits?
0: Well, a life that fits is about being able to create change and, and new habits, right? So developing new habits is about Um, also deconstructing habits that are not working for you. I think that many of my clients come and they're they're focused on, you know, Cam, I need to develop new habits, right? I need to manage my people more effectively. Um and they're focused on that, the habit that has not been developed. But they're often not focused on the habits that are already in place, right? Is that as you develop say, supportive environments, we want to pay attention and and develop strength and awareness around what's not working. And so, this is where distinguishing comes in, is that if you're struggling to get up in the morning, again, that collapsing, that smushing together all these thoughts, ideas, and a lot of self-talk can come into play there, right? Of like, oh, well, I don't get up, so I'm lazy or, you know, I must not be committed to this job, right? All these things kind of conspire and swirl. I call it a dirty snowball, right? This sort of dirty snowball that kind of packs everything together into this icy slushy thing. It's really hard to pull apart. And so if you kind of come at this systematically, And I know systematic might be kind of a word that you cringe at, but it allows us to kind of pull them apart into these four convenient areas around action, self knowledge, support, and then how's the ADD come into play. Then you can kind of look at it more objectively. If we can look at it more objectively and see, oh, okay, I realize under self knowledge is self care. And that often we don't even think about sleep as something about self-care. We we will swap personal time for sleep, right? As soon as, uh, as, soon as the f- things quiet down and the kids go to sleep and the spouse goes to sleep, right? It's all quiet. It's like, my time. It's my time now, right? Well, it happens to be 1030 at night, right? And you've got this you know, competing objectives here to get up at six o'clock in the morning, but also this sort of like Ah, the rebellious side, you know, like now I can like just you know, be no more demands, no more obligations. And it's my time. Well, that my time is going into really important restorative sleep time. So we downplay sleep, right? What's your, what is your uh, experience with sleep? Like what is your relationship with it? Do you downplay it, right? Do you devalue it? That's under self-knowledge. So it's sort of helpful to kind of distinguish these areas and within these areas, these four areas to do some further distinguishing. How are my boundaries? Do I have kind of sloppy and loose boundaries and one night I'll go to bed at, you know, 9.30 or 10 and another one, it'll be three o'clock in the morning, right? So that really kind of uh, impacts around consistency. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. If you see me turning
1: a little red, um as you well know as my coach, sleep is one of my <laughs> primary issues. So <laughs> I kind of felt like you were talking specifically from our work together, but I know that's not true because I know that I have many, many clients that have this struggle. In fact, I don't think I've ever had a client with ADHD who came to work with me on coaching and already had a healthy sleep
0: schedule. Yeah, so guess what? You know what you just did there? You did some great distinguishing, right? It was like, oh, is he talking about me? You know, and realizing, wait a sec, you know, it could be me, but, you know, and that's what we'll do is sort of like, oh my God, he's talking about me, right? Like, kind of like, and then again, that, that big snowball of thoughts and feelings, everything comes and creates that undifferentiated mass. And then what are we left with, right? We're left with no action plan. We're left with just kind of like, it is what it is and here I am and, right? But that distinguishing and separating and looking at it objectively. Yeah. Also, and can I say normalizing, right? I love what you just said about how this is something, I picked this example because this is typically, it's an example around self-care that can be really challenging right sleep but also it's the the nature of how ADD shows up in this you've got to bring you know your body down to kind of this rest state and transition effectively so there's two transitions here of coming out of your active state into sleep and then reactivating on the other side it's not an easy task right it's a pretty complicated process but when we start to look at it in these four spheres or four areas then we can start to make sense of it
1: yeah and that's what i was going to say is essential structures what cam is kind of getting at here is can be used in two ways it can be used first to evaluate your challenge right where am i at in all of these areas What's not going well? What is going well? What are what are the good things that I can latch on to and build on here? And then to make your roadmap, right? What needs to change in these four areas in order for me to get to the habit or the structure or the completion that I'm looking for?
0: The thing I would add to that is um, in what I say to all of my new clients, and I really, because people are listening and we don't have relationship with them, something to be really careful about is that as you develop awareness and you kind of turn the lens of the camera on your own behaviors to go easy, right? To to bring that camera around and swivel it on your own actions with grace and with compassion. That what we can do is we can kind of look and as we, as we start to pay attention to these behaviors that are not working for us, uh, there can be it can trigger a self-loathing, right? It can trigger that inner critic that can generate more self-talk, right? Of, Oh my God, look at you. Look how you're not showing up for your family and look at you, how you're, right? I'm not worthy. And so as you, we talked about developing the keen observer uh, in a previous session, and that keen observer is really um, being objective, observing, and and evaluating in specific areas, right? Notice your the desire of your brain to kind of you know whip up drama here, right? Or that it has to you have to have a, a solution yesterday, right? we're talking about change over a long period of time so we have to again just as we were saying you know what's your relationship with sleep it's also looking at what's your relationship with time right and how can we start to give a little bit of expanse to that or wiggle room right we can kind of really lock down on well time it's the it's the enemy right i got a ninja time when in fact you know i, I always like to say or ask uh, how's that working for you Right. And that there's likely a different way to go forward. And it includes the other thing I'll just add here is the place to to really look at is support, right? At the six o'clock point with support and especially supportive people, that identifying those advocates that will support and champion your intentions is absolutely key. And Neutralizing or just or, or limiting the exposure to the doubters, um, toxic relationships, where again, that, that may kind of amplify that self talk and that self criticism.
1: Yeah. And the thing about change over time and this model is it's not a one shot deal. You're not going to evaluate your challenges with sleep and then design actions based on that evaluation using this model and solve sleep. I'm sorry. you're not. It's, it's not going to work that way. It has never once worked that way for a client that we solve sleep in one session. Cam, have you ever solved sleep in one session with a client?
0: I don't think I've solved anything in one session with a
1: client. <laughs> and that's an accurate statement. So this is something that you're going to come back to again and again. You're going to design actions and you're going to make an attempt. You're going to practice. And then you're going to come back and evaluate in these areas again. It's like peeling an onion, right? You're going to find new layers. You're going to find new challenges to overcome, right? So if my challenge is sleep and getting to bed on time, and I solve getting to bed on time, maybe the next thing I need to solve is activating in the morning, right? Okay, now I, over a period of learning an action. I have figured out how to have a consistent bedtime, but I still can't activate in the morning. What does that look like? For me, it looks like my husband throwing a Vyvanse down my throat at 6 a.m. before he goes to work because I've found that it is much easier for me to activate if my medication has already kicked in. For you, it might look like something else.
0: Yeah, for me, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's really about getting to sleep at a decent time. And it's so I have one client who, who uh, has latched onto a term. He actually had a sleep study, which I think a lot of you see that um, there's a connection between ADHD and, and sleep apnea. But he, he took that sleep study approach, right? Where it's this scientific approach to studying his sleep. And he turned it into a metaphor for all different areas that he wanted to improve right oh i'm going to approach it like a sleep study right to really look at and and you know part of that is sort of the basic physics right he realized that when he got under 6 hours of sleep it really impacted in a profound way and so he found a number right again a place to sort of put into this essential structures of um, okay, I need seven hours of sleep consistently, and when I don't get that, it really impacts performance. Same thing for me is that if I go to bed after eleven, it impacts my performance the next day. That's it; it's that simple. Do I go to bed before eleven o'clock all the time? No, I'm constantly reminded of that. Uh, you know, kind of my own that physical law, right? I was an old science teacher, and so these these laws that we develop are, are real and we can, you know, c- continuously prove them over and over again. But it begins with this keen observer noticing and noticing like, what are your basic needs, right? What are the basic needs that you need to be successful every single day? That's for another conversation. The other thing that, I want to come back to distinguishing, and something else that distinguishing does, Shelley. So distinguishing creates a pause moment, right? And I think that uh, so many folks with ADHD will will connect with this: is that that sort of we will get into action, and not really—it's it's not really informed action. Is that all of a sudden we're doing something? It's like well, you know, how did that happen? right, we, we kind of react our way or in the crisis of the moment, we've made a series of decisions and it's sort of like they weren't really informed that that inhibition is a challenge for individuals with ADHD, right? The ability to dis, uh, to, to disinhibit, or excuse me, disinhibition is the challenge. We're talking about inhibition and inhibition is about that creating a pause, Right as you move from a thought into action, is pausing there. And distinguishing is a wonderful exercise to practice this art of pausing, right? To consider, do I want to do this, right? What are the areas that I want to look at here? And so it has you kind of step back and really strengthen the position of the keen observer. That's the other thing I just wanted to say is that introducing a timely pause before you respond to your spouse before you respond to your kid right of how do i want to respond here is is so essential to create that effective change going forward
1: yeah i tell my clients it's like zooming out you know we live so much in now or not now as people with adhd we focus on what's right in front of us we often try to create rapid change where rapid change is not possible. So taking that pause allows us to zoom out a little bit and get out of right now, right this minute, and reconnect with those higher goals, with what's more important to us. So that if I'm queuing up another Netflix episode at 1130 at night, if I take that pause, and zoom out, there's a real opportunity to make a different decision because I'm reconnecting with why I want to get more sleep and why that's important to my other goals. And suddenly the voice that says, well, I deserve this me time doesn't seem so correct anymore.
0: All right, There's another voice to listen to there. Exactly. exactly. Right, that, did, that didn't have a soapbox before. Our clients will often come looking for tools and strategies to be more productive. Essential structures is one of those, but it really begins with it's a tool for awareness. I think that we're belaboring this point, but in order to be more productive, you have to see the value in awareness because ADD impacts our ability to generate awareness in the current moment. So our tool that we like is Essential Structures. We would ask you to, I'm sure that you have your tools, and what are they? Right? In the comments, you can share with us what are the tools or, or uh, models that you like that help to kind of separate and distinguish uh, different areas that contribute to a life that fits. I imagine there's many variations of this model that are out there. And we'd love to hear from you about what works for you. What do you pay attention to?
1: And the reason that awareness is so important and that we've been hammering this for pretty much every episode of this podcast so far is you are more than your ADHD and your brain is different than my brain is different than Cam's brain. So as we give examples from our own lives and from our clients' lives, what worked for us or worked for our clients may not work for you. So the point in those stories is never about the solution. It's always about the key awareness. What was the key awareness that allowed myself or allowed Cam or allowed that client to see what the action was? And on another point, I wanted to say this earlier on normalizing. Cam mentioned the word normalizing. That's a coaching term. And it's something we do for our clients, right? We let them know when their challenges are common. And I can pretty well say that you as a person with ADHD listening to this podcast, whatever your challenge is, it's normal for a person with ADHD. It doesn't feel normal you feel weird, you feel like you're the only one, you feel like you can't adult. I promise you, I've had a client that has had a challenge
0: just like yours. That's a great point, Shelley. It seems like a good place to finish up. What do you think?
1: Sure. We can wrap it up for today. So um, in the show notes, you will find the essential structures model. So be on the lookout for that. The website is translatingadhd.com. We welcome your feedback, whether it be on audio quality or on content. And Cam posed the question how do you create awareness? What models, tools, metaphors do you use? So we'd love you to share those as well. For today, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.